0: I want you to open your Bibles to the book of Romans chapter 15. Now, this is not the typical passage that most of the time you would hear a mission sermon from. I will admit that I I like to use different passages because I believe this book is a missionary book. I believe it from the first word to the last word. I believe it's God's word. And I believe it shows us a God who wants people, not just in the New Testament time, but God wanted people from the very first. When Adam and Eve sinned, they went in hid, but God came looking for them. And that's why we're here tonight. That's why your pastor has a missions conference, brings in the missionaries. And so here we are in the book of Romans and toward the end of the book, and I'm gonna begin reading in a moment, in verse number eight. How many of you love the book of Romans? Oh, you want to know about doctrine and what Christ and his death, His life and his death and resurrection and second coming, what that, what that has to do with our lives every day. It's a powerful book in Europe and across the world. Actually, many, many people have been saved just reading the book of Romans. But in verse 8, Paul now, you have to picture this, identify with this. Toward the end of his life, He's not so young any longer. Now you young folk won't get it, but the older people will. Getting old is not for sissies. Amen. And you have the picture. Paul didn't have 737s to travel in, in airbuses and nice RVs and cars and all that. A lot of his was walking and ships being tossed around in the Mediterranean. But in... In verse number 8 again, he says, Now I say that Jesus Christ was a minister of the circumcision for the truth of God to confirm the promises made unto our fathers. In other words, he's saying, look, God loves the Jewish people. How many of you are just troubled by what you're seeing today every time you turn on the news? It's just, but look, we're about this close to the third world war. Now, I'm not, that's not my sermon tonight, but you know it's true it just takes one foolish action by any of those countries there. And Paul said, I love Jewish people. I've been, a, I've been a minister. Everywhere he went, he started in the synagogues. He wanted his own people to be saved. But notice what he says in verse 9. And that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy as it is written, for this cause I will confess to thee among the Gentiles and sing unto thy name. Well, that's a quotation from the Psalms. And, and again, he saith, "Rejoice ye Gentiles with his people," and that's a quote from the book of Deuteronomy, in chapter 32. And again, praise the Lord, O ye Gentiles, and laud him, all ye people. And that's another quote from that Psalm 117, verse 1. And again, Isaiah said, "There shall be a root of Jesse, and he shall reign, and he shall rise to reign over the Gentiles. In him shall the Gentiles trust." Uh, Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. And so Paul's saying, look, I want Jewish people to be saved. I want Gentile, who are Gentile people? You probably are. If you're not a Jewish person, you're a Gentile. God loves everybody. It doesn't matter what language you speak. Linda and I, we we have more fun because we speak Je peux en français si je voulais le faire. I could preach in French if I chose to. I could preach in the Wolof language if I chose to. It wouldn't help you all a lot. I could preach in Kikongo. Uh, my Spanish is not as good as my French, but I get around in it. I do pretty good in Japanese. Now, I'm nobody special. I'm just a man that believes everybody needs to hear the gospel. Whether they're living in Anderson, South Carolina, or they're on the other side of the world. Paul said, I want Jewish people to be saved. I want those who are not Jewish people to be saved. But then in verse 14, it, he says, And I myself am also persuaded of you, my brethren, that ye also are full of goodness, filled with knowledge, able also to admonish one another, Nevertheless, brethren, I have written the more boldly unto you in some sort as putting you in mind because of the grace that's given to me of God that I should be the minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles ministering the gospel of God that the offering up of the Gentiles might be acceptable and be sanctified by the Holy Ghost. And then if you drop down to verse number 20, he says, Yea, so have I strived to preach the gospel not where Christ was named, lest I should build upon another man's foundation. But as it is written, to whom he was not spoken of, they shall see. And they that have not heard shall understand. For which cause also I have been much hindered from coming to you. But now having no more place in these parts, having a great desire these many years to to come to you, whensoever I take my journey into Spain... I will come to you for I trust to see you in my journey and to be brought forth on my way thitherward by you if first I be somewhat filled with your company. Now watch. Paul in the book of Romans has given the expression, explanation of a missionary purpose and passion. If you go back to chapter one, for much of the book he gives us the doctrinal basis for missions and what we do. Chapters 12 through 14 gives us some principles of faith and church order. But I think chapter 15 gives us the rationale for sending missionaries. Now, your pastor has already said some very important things here this evening. Missionaries do not come to your church only to raise support. If they do, they don't need to be here. Missionaries come to your church and you have them here because it's very clear from the Word of God that the purpose of missions and reaching the world is local churches partnering with those that God's called to go out. He mentioned, know their names. Get their prayer cards. Read their prayer letters. Uh, I say sometimes, missionaries is a lie. Did y'all know that? I mean, you get around missionaries, how you doing, brother? Oh, we're fine. Everything's great, you know. And, we've, and they're not fine at all. I was over in in, uh, Okinawa at Maranatha Baptist Church one year in Okinawa preaching. And we were, uh, the ladies went to pray and the men were praying together. And I was director for all that. They were our missionaries from China and Philippines and Japan, that whole part of the world. And they were all coming in there. We are all great and so on. And as we were praying, I said to one of them, would you stand up? Brother Kendall Laumann, great missionary in China, said, Kendall, stand up and tell us about your year this past year. And he told us about his wife's mother had a heart attack in her 50s. Out in Oklahoma City, died just like that. There in China. Same year, his sister married to a young evangelist, had about six or seven kids. They had an accident in their van. His sister was thrown out and killed. He's told that, and I said, Hey, Bob Tivo, would you stand up and pray right now for Ken Lauman? And Bob, he did. And I said, Bob, tell us about your year. And he told us about his wife's daddy coming on from church on a Wednesday night, and two thugs on drugs beat him to death in the driveway of his own house. Now, folks, I could go on and on, but I'm just saying missionaries come here, and you look at them, and they're here to be a blessing, and we, you want that, and I do too, but sometimes they, they won't tell you how they're really hurting. And what's going on in their lives. And Paul said to these Roman Christians, here's the main reason for my writing all of this. I personally believe the whole book of Romans is a missionary prayer letter. Because all through the book he's been working toward this last chapter when he's saying, Look, folks, I'm going to come and see you. Because I may not be young anymore, but there's some people over there. There's some people over there in Spain. They don't know anything about the gospel. They haven't heard yet. They need somebody to go. Look, Paul believed there were too many people who've never heard. Too many people who are going to die and go to hell. We say that all the time. Do we really believe that? Well, sure we do. We believe this book. Christ is the only way. and He believed the whole Bible was the church's authority for sending missionaries out to the Gentiles. Now, I read all those verses I read. That was a You'll notice that was not an easy passage to read. Paul quoted the law, the prophets, and the writings. All three parts of the Old Testament, Paul quoted from all of them to prove that God wants people to be saved. And so if if Paul did it, but Paul realized he can't get it done by himself. He wanted to evangelize Spain, that was the furthest outpost. Paul he may not he wasn't a young guy when he wrote this. Paul was not a young guy, but he had a great pioneer spirit. He longed to go somewhere where nobody's been. I guess I got a lot of that. In my, I would say that's the marine in me, but it's not true. I am a marine, but that's not where I got that. Uh, Paul had a desire to invade new territory with the glorious gospel of Christ. Can I tell you tonight in this conference, there are a few like that today. You've got some of them with you this week. You have the Clower family. You have the Wiltshire family. You have Chase Rooks and his wife and brand new little baby. You have John Harris and his family. There are a few like that today that said, I got to get out there. God's called me to go to Belize or God's called me to go to Canada. When I teach, I never dreamed I would teach for 20 years of my life now, taught in Christian colleges about missions. I taught at Ambassador Baptist for many years. I've taught at West Coast. I love being there. It about kills me. Preacher, when my phone rings and it says Dr. R, Dr. Esmond," I don't want to answer it. <laughs> Because he's going to say, Brother Godfrey, would you? Co-? And I said, I can't. Anyway, there are a few, there are a few people who have a pioneer spirit and say, God, wherever it's at, it doesn't matter if it's a different language and a different culture. It doesn't matter if they look different from you. None of that matters, Lord. You call me, I've got to go. There are a few of them today. But let me rephrase my sentence there are very few of them. Where are the great hearts? Where are the pioneers? Where are the brave? Where are the willing? I look over here and see this whole man, uh, two whole rows of guys. Hey, come and see me. I'm going to, I can't tell you God's will for your life. But I can tell you this much God wants you to serve Him. Amen. And that's no more spiritual to serve Him some other place than it is right here. If that's what God wants. But I believe young men, young ladies, middle age, Older, I believe every one of us ought to say, "Lord, if you want me to go, I'm, i want to go." Young people sometimes say to me, and I love being around young people; it kind of keeps me young, I guess. But it, uh, they'll say, "I will, I will come if you'll build the roads to get to that place." And I always look at them and say, "No, you won't either. If you have to have the roads built and..." That, have all the luxuries of life to go there, stay in America. I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm just being honest with you because you're going to go to some place like Belize and find out it's not like Anderson, South Carolina. The missionaries say to me, and again, it's our privilege to get out with them. I love, we, Linda and I get to go all over the world with our missionaries. We go soul winning with them. We love on them. Their, their kids think we're grandma and grandpa. And then I get to come back and look at people like you and tell you what God's doing out there where they're at. And when I go where they're at, I don't want to come back here. Because you can see more people saved. You can go to the Philippines with us and see more people saved in a month than anywhere else the rest of the world, the rest of the year. You can go to Central America that way. You can go to Uganda and Ivory Coast and so many places around the world. Not every place is that open. But the missionaries are saying to us now, Brother Godfrey, please don't send us any more snowflakes. You know what I mean by that? Don't send us somebody that's going to come out here and stay about six months and get ready to quit and come back home. Paul believed that everybody needed an opportunity to hear the gospel and be saved. Everywhere he went, he stirred things up. He turned the world upside down. And Paul wrote a prayer letter. <laughs> He had a worldwide vision. He was consumed with passion to reach every man and every woman and every child. He had a strong expectation to have help in doing that. Help, fellowship, support. There's a phrase here in this, in verse number 24, Paul said, I'm going to come by and see you because I want to be brought on my way thitherward by you, now that phrase is used six times in the New Testament, and as I think I could prove it, I won't tonight. I think I could prove it's a technical missionary term, meaning uh, we're go- I want to come by your church and I want you to pray about helping us get there and stay there. Bring us forward on our journey B- bringing this forward on our journey means more than just sending them a Check every month. Now, th- don't, that's important, okay. They need that. They got to have that. But bringing them forward on their journey is more than that. It may mean if you're a mechanic walking around their car or their RV, especially the old missionaries that started out when I did and they had old cars that wouldn't hardly run, walk around their car and maybe God would lay it on your heart to go get them some tires. Maybe ladies, maybe you'd ask these ladies, ma'am, do you need to wash clothes while you're here? Now, you know how many times, <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't help it, because I think, I think about missionaries. You know how many times these missionaries, these young missionaries have to wash clothes? <laughs> Y'all don't know what I'm talking about. I mean, they got half a dozen kids. We were down in Georgia and I was preaching and there was a family there. I'm, they had 12 children. They were going to Mexico. And I got up that night and I'm a, I got this mischievous sense of humor. And I said, you know, the man with 12 kids, he's more happy than the man with $12 million. Because the man with $12 million, he wants some more. Laughter <laughs> The man with kids, 12 kids, he that. All right, folks, that guy, he ruined my joke. He raised his hand. All right in the service, he raised his hand and said, Brother brother Godfrey, we're expecting number 13. <laughs> so, you know what that lady does on Monday when the conference ends on Sunday night? You know what that lady does on Tuesday <laughs> and Wednesday? Now, I'm, I'm having a little fun, but do you get what I'm saying? This thing of partnering together, folk, it's a wonderful plan God's given us. Because God wants people to be saved. If we're saved, we want people to be saved. And God lets these missionaries partner with you all, and they can go to places you might never go to. And in Third John, I love the way it said there it says, Whom if thou bring forward on their journey uh, after a godly sort, thou uh, doest well. Anyway, 3 John. I remember our early days on deputation. Now, you can, tell that you can tell by my voice I'm not from New York City. I mean, we grew up here in South Carolina, so I cultivate this southern accent. I speak French with a southern accent and Wolof with a southern accent. But all of my first days on deputation were on the south side of Chicago.
1: <laughs> I
0: don't know why. But I remember going to those churches when I was just really, I was just a kid and starting out and pouring out my heart. God's called me to, God's called us to go to the Sahara and win those Muslim people. And I remember those people that we met and they didn't only take on our support. They prayed for us. They loved us. I was back up there preaching later and this lady came up to me and said, Brother Godfrey, can I tell you something? I said, well, sure, Ms. Pizer. She said, the first time you ever preached here in our church, I promised God I would pray for you every day. And she said, I've never told you before, but I have kept my promise. (laughs) And you know what I did? I couldn't even say thank you. I was blubbering like a little baby. My heart was so touched because not only did that church send us a monthly support, they loved us. They prayed for us. They helped us. And Paul said, I, I've been called. I have a burning desire to go. I need help from local churches to get the job done. Paul made them familiar with his own name, with his mission, and with his love. Folk, it sounds like deputation to me. Some people hate that word. I think it's one of the best times ever in the life of a young missionary family when they get to go to churches like yours and you get to see them and spend time with them and they get to meet you and spend time with you and you have the preacher, the missionary, and you have those who send. Anything that we can do to help get them there, I spend a lot of my time doing that. I believe in it so much that I do... Is anybody else beside me here and you say I'm a little crazy? I told you when Dr. R. calls me, would you come out and teach this semester? And I say, Doc, I can't. You don't understand. There's no way I can do what I do and come out to California and teach. And he'll say, Brother Godfrey, where could you be around 800 young people that want to serve the Lord? And I can't say no and I do it. Last year, I taught 125 students in the spring semester, and I traveled 27,000 miles while I did it. I said, Brother God, if you crazy? I know it. But I'm crazy because I believe that people need to be saved. And I believe if I can help influence some young people to say, Lord, what do you want me to do? I'm willing to do it.